Hi, and welcome to Recover with Purpose podcast, sponsored by Performance Medicine and Sports Therapy, hosted by 20-time Ironman finisher and sports recovery specialist, Dr. Bron Trabendis. Here we will explore a variety of related topics, everything from sports recovery, injury prevention, and cutting-edge therapy techniques. We will talk in-depth with thought leaders and specialists in the world of sports performance, sports injury, and sports recovery. We welcome business leaders that share the same mission to educate and help more people discover and uncover their highest potential. And now, Dr. Ron Trebendis. Welcome to episode 37 of Recover With Purpose podcast, brought to you by Performance Medicine and Sports Therapy, sponsored by Health IQ. Health IQ is an insurance company that helps health-conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarian vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. Go to healthiq.com backslash recover to support the show and see if you qualify. Rapid Reboot. Rapid Reboot is an athlete-oriented recovery technology company that makes reliable, dynamic pneumatic compression boots for every athlete at every level at every sport without the price tag of other brands. So go to rapidreboot.com backslash performance med and get 5% off your order. Another interesting sponsor that we just are lucky enough to get a bunch of their products, a whole line of their products in all, in all PMST locations, and it's Hyperice. Uh, I'm just very, feel very blessed to, to be partnering with such a great company. They bring all your recovery you know, all the recovery tools that you need um, for home use. Um, it's what we use in our clinics. Uh, we use it in our PT area. We use a lot of their different products. So I want you to make sure you check out their website at hyperice.com and uh, you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. We're going to be showing, even on the show, we're going to be showing how we implement uh, their products into our phases of treatment and uh, you'll be able to see the benefit um, both at home and both in a clinical setting. So be sure to check them out. So in this show, I'm with uh, Jackie Galloway. It was a great episode. We talk everything from um, her Olympic experience, uh, her her bronze medal in Taekwondo. We talk about how it's uh, how, what it's like to be coached by her father and how she deals with it, how he deals with it. We go over her uh, her injury that's uh, holding her back a little bit right now, but she's powering through. So I hope you enjoy. This was a fun, fun episode to 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 just do. I mean, we really. Uh, really had a lot to talk about and it was uh she's just you know i just admire everything that she's done and uh she's just a epitome of just a high quality athlete that has a good head on her shoulders so uh enjoy the show and uh recover with purpose all right and i'm back this is episode 37 like you heard in the intro i'm here with a jackie galloway so thank you for being here. I want to tell you how much I appreciate you doing this for me. And, uh, you know, I can't wait to get into this episode and, and shed some light on what you do. So why don't you, uh, well, I met you, you were doing PT, right? Yeah. So that's, that's where I first met you. And I, I thought your story was awesome. And you're so humble that uh, I didn't really even know about you until a couple weeks in and, and you're a pretty big deal. So <laughs> I wanted to be able to share this with people and, um, and, and do an episode with you and you know you you carry yourself really well and so I, I feel like we can um add value to a lot of people listening out there so welcome um this is gonna be fun uh tell me a little bit about about yourself um so first of all thank you for having me um so a little about myself uh i'm a mechanical and energy engineering student at university of north texas um i'm 22 years old 
And um, one of my more recent accomplishments in Taekwondo is I got bronze at the 2016 Rio Games. That's awesome. I mean, I think she needs, I almost need her to repeat that. Did everybody <laughs> hear that? She got bronze at the 2016 Games. It's like, I'm, we're going to post some pictures and I was just lucky enough to be able to hold an Olympic medal, which I thought was pretty cool. I was, I was giddy about that myself. <laughs> so um, even when I see it and she brings it in, I just get like, I get nervous even holding that thing. So that's amazing. So um, I'm sorry to interrupt, but that's just so cool. I had to, I had to stop you right there. But uh, go ahead, keep keep going. So we even you know we went we skipped right over your major. What's your major again? Mechanical and energy engineering. Yeah, which is amazing in itself. I went right to the bronze medal on that. So, um, but go ahead, continue. Um. So oh, yeah, where were you? So yeah, yeah. We, we stopped at the bronze medal. So like, man, that's not where you end. But, but that's where I was like all excited about it. So go back to school. So you're just you're still a student. Yeah, I'm still a student. Um, technically with the university, I am a senior. But um, with my specific program, I probably have a few more semesters left. Um, gotcha. I took a gap semester before the Olympics, so that kind of shifted my my school schedule a little bit. But you know, all in the big picture, it's <laughs> worth so it. So did you, you took that gap year to train full time? Yeah, just to train. Um, so I found out I was qualified for 2016 at actually the end of 2015. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll go into a yeah, little bit yeah, more we, how you, how how you, you qualify. Yeah. But at that point, I took that whole, um, you know, eight month period off of school just to train for the Olympics that were in August of 2016. That's awesome. And so we're going to get more into that story too, about how that process works. But, uh, you know, a bit more about your background so you know taekwondo first of all is it one word or is it three um <laughs> it depends i guess in korean it's three different words i got you um it's actually like i said in korean so it's a korean sport it's actually mm -hmm. the national sport of south korea okay um so it's three different syllables and i think it roughly translates to like the foot fist way wow and so what what's your background why why this like tell me a little bit about how your childhood was and and what led you down this path yeah so i started taekwondo when i was seven years old um and it's actually always been like a whole family event for me my both of my parents did taekwondo my grandparents did taekwondo um so as a kid growing up that this was the sport that i was most exposed did they all get to, to go to the olympics um my dad um, coached me actually at the Olympics. Wow, your dad, your coach. Oh yeah. my gosh, this even opens up a whole more <laughs> yeah. questions that I have for later. I didn't even know that. Oh man, that's good. Okay. Um, and my younger brother, he's actually in the army, but he was my training partner in Rio as well. And my whole family was there, front row in the stands. And so you were born to this. You were born into this. Yes. I got you. <laughs> um, and actually, I wanted to start even younger, you know, because I was. That's what I saw every day. My whole parents everybody was doing it um but they actually made me wait until i was seven um when i really wanted to do it they actually yeah. told me no for right. a year they didn't want to force you into something yeah. just because you saw it and burned exactly. you out right and they i think at seven is when they thought i was old enough to be able to understand what a commitment was and um to say okay well if you're going to start it then you gotta finish it see right. it all the way through at least to black belt um, but then as soon as I started, I, I fell in love with you're it. You're hooked. Yeah. So you're the biggest, uh, badass in the family. Now, <laughs> I like now, to think now, so. <laughs> now, you, now you can wave that bronze medal around and be like, what's up? You know, that kind of thing. And with hopefully more to come in 2020. Yes. So, and I know we're going to talk about that later, especially your prep preparation for that. Um, mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, so what other, did you do anything else as a child? Um, like yeah, sports -wise? actually I played sports all the way through middle school. I didn't, um, compete in solely taekwondo actually until high school 
So in middle school, I was doing volleyball, basketball, um, f like through my school, through my middle school, all the way up um, to high school is when um, my parents said, okay, you know, now I need to make a decision. It didn't even have to be Taekwondo. It, you know, right. we need to make a decision though about what sport you want to pursue and dedicate, dedicate right. your time to. Well, and you know, what's the common theme in everybody that I've had on the show, mm -hmm. any professional athlete or anybody that's participated at a high level is that they played multiple sports. Yeah. And if I can't get that, they must've said that like five different episodes. And I hope people out there listening are getting that is especially with their kids is mm -hmm. that, you know, if your kid's going to be a professional athlete or go to the Olympics, I really think, you know, I guess there's that whole, do you ever read that book? Like 10,000 hours? Um, no, but I know it. that. You know what yeah, I'm talking about? Yeah. And so it says, hey, if you participate in something for 10,000 hours, you become an expert. Mm -hmm. And hey, that's what that's what propels you in life, right? And so the quicker you can have your 10,000 hours, huh, better shot you have, right? Yeah. Well, you know, I started thinking about this not too long ago. And I was like, you know, I don't necessarily think as a kid, it's starting with 10,000 hours of that one sport where the book kind of doesn't, it just says 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. I kind of think of it like this, especially when I get this question answered a lot, is it's 10,000 hours of consistency and routine and consistently being active, consistently progressing your body to be an athlete. So it's almost like 10,000 hours as an athlete. Yeah, and 10,000 hours of meaningful meaning, work. Yeah, meaningful work, yeah. right? And it doesn't matter like in your sport, you know, volleyball played a role. You mm -hmm. start jumping. I mean, you start, you know, using your body more, right? So there's all these things that, um, I don't know, it was just a thought that I had. I was like, I used to think that 10,000 hours, oh, I had to be, to be a swimmer, I had to swim 10,000 hours. And I'm like, no, nah, not really. Because mm -hmm. a lot of that comes with weightlifting, being an athlete, playing other sports, that kind of thing. So um, I, I really take back to say with children, I think it's 10,000 hours of just teach them how to be an athlete. Yeah, you know? and, absolutely. And that's being well-rounded. So um, it's funny though that, it always comes back to this. Like every guest that I have that is in your position or, you know, training kids or that, it's it's always, hey, let's play multiple sports. But you don't see that happening outside. Yeah. You see so much specialization at such an early age and it's just weird to me. You know, I mean, it's just, mm -hmm. um, I guess you just fall into that peer pressure of, especially as parents, you know, falling yeah. into that to where it's like, you know, grinding it out, you know, always putting your kid in the next best thing to try to keep up with the Joneses. So, um, yeah. Again, coming from coming from an Olympian, it's a, it, it follows the same pattern as she was well-rounded in, in playing multiple sports. So, and, and not even just with sports, I and mean, even with school. I, in high school, I graduated top eight percent of my class. I was part of National Honor Society, and my parents really made sure I was not just a well-rounded athlete, but a really well-rounded kid. Just so, what do you general. think? What is your opinion on for kids? Like, was that drive always in you, or did you? Was that did, did your parents help? I mean, obviously your parents have some kind of role in that, but was that always in you? It was, I definitely think a combination. Um, so, and I made the commitment early on, you know, funny story my parents love to tell is when I was seven, I came home and said, I want to go to the Olympics. I want to, you know, do all these things. Cause I saw the, the Olympics on TV and I decided that's where I want to go. But, you know, really as I got older and, and that commitment and saying I, I want to be a world champion really meant something, you know, more tangible. My parents, um, you know, that came from me, that statement, um, that commitment came from my own mind. But then I feel like the role my parents played is keeping me, holding me accountable to that commitment that I made. And I think, you know, that was really important in the process, you know, the 
I really feel like as a kid, you know, I was very driven and, you know, wanted to win and love the sport. But, you know, there are, of course, days that I didn't want to go to training or that things right. got hard. And that's when I feel like my parents helped hold me accountable and remind me that this is the commitment you made. And then they continue to hold me accountable to that. Right. And so it's it's, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's both. both without being too overly aggressively pushy, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. So um, so back to Taekwondo. I mean, um, what was the definition again you gave? Uh, the foot fist way or foot the way fist, of the foot the way fist. Of, yeah. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. And so how did then, you know, you come from a family background of this. Um, how did it, did it affect you growing up at all? I mean, obviously it gave you consistency, routine, training. You, you learned about that at an early age. But um, did it give you anything that was like, that we, that we wouldn't think it gave you? You know, because everybody out there listening knows, hey, yeah, she, obviously she was up early, training. She, uh, you, you developed that very quickly. What is there something that it gave you that, like we wouldn't, we wouldn't know? Um, well, for me, that's I've, a surprise question <clears throat> too, by the way. So now I see her looking at me with like an evil eye, like, "Hey, you didn't write that one down in the pre-interview." So I have a couple scattered in here just to keep you on your toes. <laughs> um, well, actually, I think I've always approached Taekwondo. It's been really like a game of chess. It's always been very strategic, and you know, of course the athlete just athlete side of it of running and doing all these different drills to become a better athlete play a big part of it but i feel like specifically for taekwondo since it is a hand-to-hand -hand combat sport it's very strategy driven so for me i feel like it's really helped develop um you know my problem solving skills and i feel like that also ties into the um, major that I decided to get into of mechanical and energy mm -hmm. engineering, I view the I view both of them the same. They're both a physical problem in front of you that you have to solve with abstract concepts, whether it be calculus and physics or footwork and distance. That's really cool because that's definitely something everybody wouldn't think of. So even parents out there trying to get their kids into these sports, you don't realize how much it helps your schoolwork, right? Yeah. I mean, what I'm learning too is, I mean, I had, um, you know, one of... Uh, another provider on here, um, um, Ty Silva and he big jujitsu guy, but he's a specialist in movement. And so how jujitsu shaped the way he does his profession now too. So it's interesting that you kind of say a similar thing that, you know, it's Taekwondo is going to shape the major you chose the career field you go into. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really cool. I mean, and that really just shows you how athletics can mesh with academics if done properly. Right. Yeah. So, so what, um, I guess the next kind of transition I want to make is, you know, you came in at seven and said, Hey, I want to make, I want to go to the Olympics. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, um, it, it, that's kind of like you predicting the future a little bit there too. So you obviously worked hard for that goal. Was there a time or an age where it became a situation where the Olympics wasn't just a dream anymore? It was actually a possibility. Was there a day that you like went to practice and were like, dang, yeah this is going to happen. Like I have at least, at least you knew I have the talent to get there. Now I just got to have some luck. Got to some have hard work and I got to have that ethic is, is, was there an age or a time frame that you realized that? So it was probably actually, um, a specific tournament. Um, but to rewind from that a little bit, when I was around, I would say 12, um, I would go to local tournaments and lose my first fight and I would get so upset and I would cry about it and just be so upset. And my dad finally, you know, sat me down and said, okay, what do you want to do in this sport? If it's just to have fun, then stop getting so upset when you lose because it's just for fun. 
Um, if you want something more though, then we need to change how we're training and how we're approaching this because what we're doing currently isn't going to get you where you want to go if it's something, you know, like the Olympics or world championships. So, you know, he said, sleep on it. We're going to have, he made it formal. Like we're going to have a meeting tomorrow. We're going to sit down and you're going to tell me your goals for this sport. So he went all coach on you. Yeah. He went all coach. Um, but still put it completely in my hands and let me, you know, make a decision as to what I wanted to do with this sport. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, but it definitely was all coach at that point. Um, so I remember I came back and I said, you know, I want to be world champion. That's, that's what I want to do with this sport. At what age was that? I was probably 12, about to be 13 around there. And so he said, okay, so let's, um, we got to change things. What are other kids doing your age in other countries to train for Taekwondo? Taekwondo is a much bigger sport. I feel, um, competitively in in other countries Mm -hmm. it's much more mainstream um so the exposure we had was in mexico actually mexico has individual state teams and each of those state teams have 50 kids of all ages that are training and have to make this state team and then have required training like two hours a day or something Mm -hmm. six days a week and um, we had done some cross training with some of those teams and you know he just said look at what these kids are doing Look how many hours they're training. This is just math at this point. You have to train more. So that's when we started to implement just a different kind of training. Wake up before school, right after school, going to training. And this is, again, right, I was probably 13 at that point. Um, So actually, um, since our exposure was through Mexico, I got um, dual citizenship from my grandparents for Mexico um, to go down to be able to compete in more more tournaments. Um, So actually, the to pinpoint a moment when I knew it was um, a more tangible reality as opposed to just a dream I had. Um, I was 14. I went down to a tournament in Mexico. It was just for experience. You know, we set a goal. We're just going to practice being more professional at this tournament. I was yeah. a kid, so we like had to set. Like, we yeah, have hey, a plan. Wake yeah. up the right time, do exactly. your routine, like be This is what we're going to have for breakfast. Right. We're going to pack your snacks. We're going to lay out your equipment. We're going to practice being a professional athlete. Um, and so I showed up and I won. I won that whole tournament. <laughs> and actually in the final, I didn't know who this lady was, but it turned out to be a former world champion for Mexico. And that was one of the experiences. And probably how much older was she? Because this is what I think I was the audi- 14, yeah. This is what the audience I think is missing is that you are way under your prime. Yes. Like you're 22 right now. Mm-hmm. Like this is a sport that's upper 20s and early 30s, yes. right? I mean, for hitting your prime, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so you... I was competing in the adult, which is, you Just know, typically open. 18 yeah. and yeah, older. So this um, lady was probably 25 and I was 14 years old. And I remember right after I won, the whole stadium went silent and everyone was like, who is that? Who's this little girl? <laughs> and um, It turned out I had just made the Mexican national team. It was nationals and I had just gone down for more experience and you I won. won. The tournament, so I you won automatically the tournament. made the national team. Yeah. So they came up to me and said, you know, okay, we're going to, you just qualified for a tournament that is going to be in China. We're going to go to Korea for six weeks before that tournament. So you need to come um, report to Mexico City Olympic Training Center this weekend. And uh, I was a freshman in high school. Um, I had just turned 14. Wow. (laughs) And so you had to go, you went to Mexico? Yes. By yourself? Yes. 
At 14. At 14. Wow. I, and I didn't speak Spanish. <laughs> oh, you're on the Mexican national team that doesn't speak Spanish? No, I yeah, Good I job. Sp- I do now. I speak yeah. Spanish. <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, that's was one of the pivotal moments in my Taekwondo career. We came back and decided that this was the where I was going to get the opportunities. You know, Taekwondo is a worldwide sport. There's events everywhere. And, you know, that wasn't something my parents could afford to send me to mm-hmm. without you know, an opportunity like something like the Mexican national team. So how, and forgive me for this, but how do you end up then from the Mexican national team? How are you on the U.S. national team competing for the U.S.? Like, mm-hmm. there was there a switch that happened through there? Yeah. So and did there, you have the choice? I had the choice, and there's certain rules. If you represent um, one country in an event like world championships or the Olympics or things like that, you can't just then the next year switch to a different country. There's a like a... Not a banned period. You're still allowed to compete, but you can't represent another country in something like World Championships or the Olympics the next year. Um, so I was 14, like I said, and I competed for Mexico until I was 16. Um, and then at that point, I had been living, like I said, in Mexico City. My parents were still here in Dallas. I was. What was it like? What was? It, I mean, you obviously had to be a mature kid, mm-hmm. but. What was it like living like that? Because you're living with adults, like in competing like an adult, mm-hmm. but you're only a 14 year old kid. So, what was the hardest thing for you to be away like that? Like, what was the hardest thing for you to overcome? Um, I think just being thrown in, in the deep end in a way. Um, right. I didn't speak the language, um, but I really feel like that time period of my life was crucial for my Taekwondo career mm-hmm. because that's what I had. I didn't speak the language, I was in a different place, but what I knew was Taekwondo. Um, so I was able to so focus on I that. could focus you were like on that all in. That's what I had. Right. That's what I had every day. I, you know, I wasn't going out with friends. Yeah. I was in a different country. Yeah, you didn't know anybody. <laughs> I didn't know anybody. You didn't um, know how to go out with friends. You're exactly. <laughs> um, so it was just training and right. I really feel like that was boys you know, weren't a problem. A, no, <laughs> See? you got You had focus though. I mean, if you think yeah. about it, you actually had a, a a hand up on some of the people training there. You Absolutely. know, if you're, if you're thinking, I remember what I was like in my early twenties and you know, it, you lose focus because yeah. you have so much other stuff going on. So, mm-hmm. wow, that's really cool. So let's, um, I, let's take a little bit of break from Olympics because I mm-hmm. want to go back there. I want to kind of backtrack a little bit and just, you know, I want this is going to sound really, anybody listening out there that's really into Taekwondo, I'm going to try to mesh in another audience here. What's the difference between Taekwondo and karate and between like a lot of these other sports? Yeah. And why is it different, um, you know, participation wise for kids? You know, so give me, give me some of these answers that you or questions, answers to questions you get asked a lot. Yeah. And I mean, they may seem ignorant because, you know, you're immersed in it, but there's people out there that I kind of, I kind of think about what I would ask you, you know, so let's, um, let's just explain what Taekwondo is and go from there. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely get that question a lot about, you know, what's the difference between Taekwondo and karate is probably one of the main questions that I get. And, you know, from a competitive, um, like Olympic level of both sports, just the rules are completely different. So Taekwondo is mainly kicking. Um, We do three two minute rounds with a one minute rest in between. And I think karate is more of a point style. So after every point is scored, there's a pause the points awarded um, and then they continue the match and um, that's my understanding of it it may mm-hmm. not be exactly but it's more of a, of a stop and go point style whereas taekwondo is a more we go for two minutes straight regardless of the score then take a one minute break so it's three two minute rounds regardless of score it's just an accumulation of points okay um, and then how points are scored so it used to be um, 
just solely referee scoring. So there's three referees. You know, they have a red and a blue button. That's each opponent is red or blue. Um, if they feel the kick scored, they push that um, player. What's considered button. a score? So there's body kicks and face kicks. Okay. Um, a body kick um, is worth um, two points, and a face kick is worth three. They actually just changed it to it might be worth four. Now it might be worth one extra point. Um, and then a spinning technique is worth an additional point to the body or to yeah. the face. Okay. So if you make it look pretty, you get an extra point. Yeah. Right. Um, but actually, it used to be um, just the referee scoring. So it's okay. just visually they see it. Okay, we feel like that scored. You know, click. Yeah. Now it's actually electronic scoring. So we have foot pads. Oh, pads and, and sensors? Yeah. yeah, we have sensors wow. in our feet pads. So like any pads. sport, they're <laughs> instant replay and yes. removing all human error. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm sure there takes away a little bit of, uh, I mean, just like baseball. Baseball, I mean, I'm a huge baseball fan, but the instant replay is irritating. Like they added that to baseball and it's just like, part of it is the umpires, like the referee that being in the game, like Mm -hmm. that's part of sport. If they make a mistake, that's just what it is, you know? And so it's, it's interesting, you know? I mean, I I guess that could be debated on either, either side of things, but that's really, so that's cool. Um, is there a lot of organizations for kids around here? Like they can participate in Taekwondo a lot. Yeah. There's, there's a ton of Taekwondo and karate schools. and, And I feel like for, Little kids, um, a lot of it's really similar. Taekwondo and karate, they have um, kind of a similar curriculum for the younger kids. Where it's really different is as you um, you know get older and in the competitive Olympic style of Taekwondo or the Olympic style of karate is where you can really see the big differences. Got it. And so, well, so that explains. Let's summarize a little bit what Taekwondo is. Mm-hmm. Let's let's get back to your Olympic experience, okay? So we'll fast forward a little bit. So you went from 14, 16, competing for a Mexican national team. Mm-hmm. Um, what happens after that? So, okay, so you're 20. So how many years? What is what is this? So two years ago, <laughs> it was the Olympics, right? Yeah. So you were 20. Yes. Okay. Um, so that means 16. So 16, to that's Olympic years, four years to mm-hmm. the Olympics, right? So when you hit 16, was it like, okay, now I got to make a decision. Am I going to compete for the U.S. or Mexico? And yeah. So-, so at that point, the decision was more... It was driven more from, um, okay, I want to finish high school. I was doing high school online, but as much as a a 14-year-old on their own is going to do high school online. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So at 16, you know, I just was ready to to be back home. You know, like I said, it was the senior adult national team. So I was expected to live down there full time. You know, it comes back to that book we talked about in the beginning, 10,000 hour rule, Mm -hmm. right? Well, in that book too, they don't just mention 10,000 hours. They mention that at some point, a great athlete or a very successful athlete has a break. Your break was actually winning that tournament and going to the Mexican national team because mm-hmm. you would not have been able to train that badass yeah, for two years absolutely. and put your 10,000 hours in at that point to get to where you wanted to get to, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's so it's kind of funny how that book I mentioned it in the beginning and you can kind of see it coming out full, full circle, yeah. you know? And again, I, for some reason, the name of the author is escaping me, but I'm sure if you Google that out there, you, you'll find it. Um, so yeah, back to can wanted to come back home, and mm-hmm. then so did you have to go through another series of tournaments to be on the United States national team? Yeah, so there's you know U.S. nationals, and then um, to make so to make the national team, there's a series of tournaments. There's you know the regional kind of state level tournament. Mm-hmm. Then if you medal at that, then you qualify for nationals, um, which is of course across the U.S. There's all the state tournaments. All the winners of those in each division get to then compete at nationals. 
the winner, the top, I think four at nationals compete in a team trials. So, you know, it's kind of spread out throughout the year. Um, and usually around uh, May is when they have team trials, sometimes a little bit earlier in the year. Um, and then if you win the team trials, then you're on the national team. Um, and then from there, usually the national team, they take you to a specific tournament. Like it's the national team for world championships this and year. And then so how many, how many uh, women do they select for the Olympics then out of the national team? So for the Olympics, though, it's actually a slightly different process that's outside of the domestic okay. process. Right. Um, so there's two ways to qualify for the Olympics for Taekwondo. I qualified um, directly like on a world wide basis so there's a international ranking system and that is based on different tournaments are worth a different amount of points so let's you know it's g1 g2 so you had to get your amount of points to go yes so i had a certain amount of points i finished 2015 uh, i was ranked um fourth in the world um and top six automatically and in this four-year period when was the world championships too So so did you compete in the world championships before or after the Olympics? Um, both. So it's every, every world year. championships every two years. Every two years. So okay. it's 2015 and then 2017. Okay. So it's not on the Olympic year. Right. Every time. And so um, you had the world championships before the Olympics. Yes. Yeah, so world championships 2015, I got bronze. Okay. Um, and then I was bronze at, in 2016. And then actually this past world championships 2017, I got silver. Right. So next one then. That means <laughs> Collecting. Yeah. Collecting. It's time. It's time. And so... When you got bronze in the Olympics, mm-hmm. are the same? Did the same two girls beat you? Um, no, that one was slightly different. Yeah. So the Olympics for Taekwondo is a really unique. It's not like any other setup for Taekwondo tournaments. Okay. Um, most of the time for Taekwondo tournaments, we don't have like bronze medal matches or the kind of where if you lose in the semifinal, you have to then fight off for bronze, mm-hmm. which is how it is in the Olympics. Usually it's, you know, if you make it to the semifinal, you have a bronze medal, whether you win or lose your semifinal match. Gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah. So for the Olympics, I, I qualified by points internationally as opposed to going through the domestic U.S. Mm-hmm. system. Okay. And so then tell me about your, so now that, you know, so once you qualified, tell me about your Olympic experience. Like what was that? Was that a little... I know you got to accumulate points, so it might have been a little anticlimactic. It's not like Karate Kid where you like win the win the tournament, <laughs> exactly. like yeah, I'm going to the Olympics kind of thing. So it was a little bit. Tell me about your, you know, how you reflect on that, and you're like, okay, well, now what's my Olympic experience going to be like? So how did that how did that go for you? Um, so my Olympic experience, I feel like the competition itself, it wasn't like overly hyped. We didn't overhype it on the front end, like, okay, this is the Olympics. Now you have to be serious because each event we're going in with the same mindset of, you know, you know, minute by minute, match by match. You're on the same mat that you train on. Nothing's crazy. Every a roundhouse kick is a roundhouse kick. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing is going to be different just because it's the Olympics um, in terms of the competition. And in fact, I fought the girls that I ended up f- competing against. I fought them before a few of them. So, you know, that part of it wasn't, you know, anything crazy that I wasn't prepared for. The part that I really feel like was just overwhelming and was kind of just surreal was the opening ceremonies. Yeah. That was, there's a picture somewhere. I'll have to send it to you after this. I somehow ended up right in the front of the group almost. So there's a picture where you can see Michael Phelps with the Mm -hmm. U.S. flag and like there's me right behind him. That's pretty cool. it was, that was 
pretty crazy and kind of like an aha moment like wow yeah that was the moment where it was like wow this is something bigger than myself right and i remember being in the tunnel where you're about to come out in the opening ceremonies about to walk out and everyone's chanting usa and i almost imagine too like when you think about individual sports like this that world championships and olympics have a completely different feel to them because world championships is about you 100 percent you and it's almost like yeah why the olympics are about you and you want to win a medal it's so much it's bigger than that because mm-hmm. it's more about you country and, and participating that way yeah. i mean and is that the kind of feel that you get from it too i guess that's why the olympics the opening ceremonies are so aha moment kind yeah. of thing right i think that was like the moment where you just realize like i said it's something bigger than yourself you're representing your country and you know you're stepping out onto the world stage whereas for world championships that's kind of contained within the Taekwondo yeah. world, right. whereas Olympics is You're right. the whole world. I mean, stage. honestly, I, I I watch the Olympics, and mm-hmm. then you watch I watch sports that I only watch every four years, <laughs> and I'll and I'll watch whatever sport it is in, yeah. that the U.S. is participating. <laughs> you know, so no, that's really cool. So, um, so when you went through and you know experience, did you stay the whole time there at the Olympics, or did you did you stay? A, you know how like it's like three weeks, right? Yeah. So did you when did you compete in the beginning or the end? The end. So we oh, were there the whole time. Really? Was mm-hmm. that was that hard for you, or did you just go normal training routine? You just got. We just did the normal training routine because like was it I hard said, to stay focused? Um, you know, no, it, it wasn't because I really felt like okay, I'm here. This is this is a business. You didn't trip. party too hard this in the Olympic. I didn't. In the, in the Olympic uh, village. Didn't go crazy. No. <laughs> Um, At least that you're not going to say on air. Yeah. Well, I mean, my dad was there, so you can ask him. <laughs> Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, so, no, we were there the whole time, but I really feel like it was, you know, just the normal training, you know, routine. Mm-hmm. And even before the Olympics, you know, before we were in Rio, we had gone down to Brazil to do the, the tourist aspect of it. So that way, when I was there for the Olympics, I didn't you know, if you're like, oh, I want to go see this or go do this, you know, we, we went down earlier in the year and saw the Christ the Redeemer statue mm-hmm. and did the whole tourist yeah. side of it. So, so it wasn't new to you. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, so then when I was there, business. I could just focus yeah. for business. That's awesome. And so what was it, uh, what was going through your head on the middle stand? Share what your experience was. Um, when did you find, oh, so you had to fight off for a bronze, yes. right? And so you actually had a like you didn't just get there and be like, oh, yeah, well, if I lose this, I get the bronze, I get silver. No. So you had to fight off. Yeah. And actually, this, the semifinal match that I lost was against a girl who was the Mexican athlete. And uh, we fought multiple times before. Um, she's a multiple, uh, she's Olympic champion, multiple time Olympic medalist, world champion. And um, I, we fought multiple times before actually meeting in the Olympics. And I lost that match the closest way you can lose a match in Taekwondo. Since it's, like I said, electronic scoring. So there were no points scored in regulation. So it went to an overtime first point wins. No points were scored in first overtime. First point wins. Yes. So, yeah. Yep. So then we go one extra round, but the first person to score wins. So what happens if nobody scores in that? You just keep so going? Then, no. Minutes? So then no points were scored in overtime either. So then it went to like the Is electronic that, do you think, system. Do you, do you think that's because you guys just knew each other so well too that you've fought in so many times that you can defend that kind of stuff? Just yeah. I think it was it was a mix. And, and definitely we were both going for point opportunities. It just wasn't quite. Wasn't matching. Wasn't More quite landing. matching. Yeah, it wasn't quite landing. And it went to so the system still picks up if contact was made even though it wasn't hard enough so she touched my you know chest guard protector four times i think and i touched hers three that's ridiculous i lost by one touch 
one to go touch, to the it wasn't even Olympic like finals. Hit. No, it wasn't even a hit. See, they should just fight it out more. That's where a lot of people feel yeah. the electronic system is lacking. Right. And it comes back to, again, it steals a little bit of that way from that, yeah. from that person. Absolutely. Because a referee would have been like, none of those would have counted. You just kept going until mm-hmm. he deemed one hit. And I was definitely the aggressor in that one as right. well. So Which doesn't count, right? Yeah. Yeah, that sucks. So, yeah. So then I had to turn around and I had in addition to losing as close as you can lose I sprained my ankle really bad early in that fight so then I had to come off the mat just dealing with an Olympic loss plus your ankles hurting plus you know you have to fight again in an hour <laughs> so did Mr. Miyagi come in and yeah. like clap his hands together and make your ankle better basically <laughs> our, our trainer that was with us she worked a miracle clap. yeah she was all on me with the ice massage and wouldn't let up and she really was a key That's part cool. in that and so <laughs> i guess that makes then you winning the bronze that that was that made it sweeter for you absolutely i mean, I mean you sprained ankle just lost how satisfying as an athlete is that like it doesn't matter what color the medal was at that mm-hmm. point it's like damn i just came back all the way from this that you know what that that gets you pumped for the next time because you know Definitely. that you can overcome some nasty stuff yeah and and you're gonna draw from that next time so yeah um speaking of that so um i made a note here just in between that uh, what we we're just talking about what advice do you have for athletes that their parents or their coaches you know like your dad your coach so what was what's one thing that out there if you know it doesn't matter what sport it is mm-hmm. but out there say an advice for a parent and then an advice for the kid so I think that's this a new one, question too. I didn't find, <laughs> you, see, I come up with some stuff yeah. I come up with some stuff, and she gives me the same look when her eyes go to the top. She's like, yeah, you didn't, we're you sitting kind of, we're sitting far enough yeah. apart though. That you, I can't you, reach you. you can't, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want to mess with you, but, um, yeah. So, so, you know, again, parents so that they, so you guys still have a good relationship. Yeah. So there's gotta be advice coming from what they can do and then what the kid can do to receive that. So yeah. what do you think? So I think um, advice that could go both ways would be just working on separating the two versions. You know, there's an athlete version of your kid and there's a coach version of your parent. And then there's the parent and kid relationship. And I think, you know, really working hard and setting parameters, you know, okay, now we're in coaching and athlete mode. So if I'm getting on to you, it's not to hurt your not feelings. Personal. It's not personal. Yeah. I'm, I'm your coach right now because mm-hmm. we're in training. And then, you know, being able to remove yeah. that from like when other he gets in the, situations. When he gets in the car to drive home with you, yeah. he's not still hounding you about exactly. stuff you did. He's just like, hey, I got to learn how to shut this off. Mm-hmm. So I think both ways, being able to distinguish between, okay, you know, this isn't dad getting on to me right now. This is my coach telling me that my form wasn't good. Mm-hmm. And I think that was is what's really made the difference. And he's me. really good at doing that. Yeah. And then wh- from the kid's perspective, like you just have to be receptive to that. It's, it goes yeah. both ways. It goes both ways. Yeah. You can't get your feelings hurt. Like, so it's it's just this. Did you guys ever have a sit down and talk that out? Like, listen, now, I guess like you were talking about when you were what, 14 or mm-hmm. when he, he decided to, hey, this is going to ha- have to take. You made the choice. Yeah. Right. And so did you sit down and go, OK, this is how this relationship's going to go. Yeah. And, and we definitely did. And it's it's also grown yeah, and it's adjusted dynamic, right? as I've gotten older mm-hmm. and as you know I've become more experienced in the ring and some of my reactions or instincts may be different than what he would have called in that moment and so it's really grown and developed into a, a dynamic relationship and I feel like what's important you know maybe for the kid to remember of this relationship and what's really helped me is that I trust him completely and that's just one less thing that I have to worry about 
when I'm in the ring. Yeah. I know he knows my always game inside and out, too. always has my back, always has my best interests. I know that when he makes a call, you know, it's because he's, you know, experienced and knows my game, knows my opponent, and I can trust that completely. So I feel like those those two things have really helped the, you mm-hmm. know, us to be able to still have a good father-daughter relationship as well as a coach-athlete. Right. Um, so I guess what are the plans for the 2020 games? Win the gold medal. Yeah. Right. Win the gold medal. I mean, of course, that's always that's always the plan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the biggest thing you can I can control is the preparation. Mm-hmm into it and is there anything that you would have done you're going to do one thing that you're going to do differently going into this olympic preparation now that you're experienced as opposed to last um you know i I really feel i think another another question yeah it's another question it's a (laughs) it's a thinker (laughs) wow wow okay Um, i'll stall a little with the (laughs) hymns and haws be like um all right just like edit the little seconds um, out I would say, you know, I would take the things that I felt were successful for me. I really, we worked on having a routine last time, even for the warm up, And we practiced that every day leading up. Because like we said before, it was a three-week process. We were in Rio um, for three weeks before I actually competed. And so we practiced everything down to the routine, the warm-up routine. You know, we know we're going to have this amount of time to warm up. Let's practice exactly how we're going to fill this amount of time. So that way when it's day of, you know, we can stick to that completely i've already done it i've already been here yeah everything has a purpose and so i feel like that we did that really well last time so i definitely want to carry that over into the next one um but maybe one of the things i would change um is maybe on the front end of things maybe adjust how many tournaments um i go to before the olympics we have nothing to prove now like right get there you know what i mean so once we get there then sitting and evaluating and deciding earlier, you know, how many events I want to mm-hmm. go to before to well, get it seems like time and anything like a seasoned athlete would do. I mean, right. Michael Phelps does that, I'm sure. Or mm-hmm. he did that, you know, he's like, the Olympics is coming up. He's like, I don't need to participate in every single grand right. prix or whatever I got going on, you know? Mm-hmm. So no, that's really good advice. What about, um, any advice for any sport young woman out there that wants to compete at a high level? I would definitely probably want a piece of advice I would give, it's just to stick with it. You know, you know better than anyone else, you know, especially being a female in a combat sport, that's unusual a lot of times to mainstream, you know, someone you talk to on the street. You know, oh, you do Taekwondo, you get all the typical responses of, oh, don't make you mad, or oh, you know, mm-hmm. can you show me a move? And, you know, I feel like, you know, MMA and the UFC and women in, in, in the UFC and in and, and those sports have really done a lot for combat sports in general and taking women in these sports more seriously um, because it's like, hey, this is what, here's what these women can do. I really feel like that's, you know, trickled down into my specific mm-hmm. strain of it's martial benefit art. every yeah, woman's benefit martial every arts. Woman. Exactly. Jiu-jitsu, all that stuff. Yeah, so it's not, you know, whereas maybe before it's, I was kind of viewed as like a, a one-trick pony, like, oh, can you show me a move? <laughs> right. Um, but I feel the advice I would give is just to, to stay the course, to, you know what you capable of you know what you can do and to not let you know anyone else whether it be even family or society or whatever to to box you in because you know what you're capable of and if you're passionate about whatever sport you're playing or whatever you're doing then to stick with it and to see it through to the end so back to like more more women on this on in combat sports Mm -hmm. um does taekwondo um give you what you need to feel confident like just from a self-defense perspective 
So like say, uh, I mean, I know there's probably a difference between competitive Taekwondo and yeah. self-defense Taekwondo, like there is with anything, right? Mm -hmm. But do you have that confidence now? Like, does that give you something that you're walking down the street, you know that you can take care of yourself? Absolutely. Um, there, there is definitely a difference between you know, competitive yeah. Taekwondo and self-defense or even, you know, Taekwondo and maybe other forms of martial arts may, you know, hand themselves more easily to hand-to-hand -to -hand self-defense situations. But I feel like what it's given me is just a confidence within my own body and I feel powerful. So when I'm in a situation, I feel like I can confident. I can handle myself. It's like you're problem solving back yeah, to school. You're exactly. confident in school mm -hmm. and just overall your confidence. It's just a confidence right. within your own skin. Right. Completely off. Well, not completely off the subject. I kind of segued into it. Remember you said that you were this time around, you're going to have do everything with purpose, right? Well, mm -hmm. this, this podcast is called recover with purpose. And that's the whole gist of what I'm always preaching is that you need to, you know, recovery is the, uh, another discipline in sport, right? And there has to be a purpose to it. Every, every piece of recovery device or thing out there doesn't fit everybody's plan, right? So, you know, we got to have a purpose to what we do, not just throw everything at it. Okay. So, I met you because you did have an injury. And so this is a thing that I, I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, the, you know, your mindset behind this, um, you know, what happened. Um, I know you had surgery and you've been doing PT and you've been doing rehab. Mm -hmm. um, tell us a little bit about that. So or as I, much as you want to share. I don't know if your no. competitors, uh, <laughs> you're like, don't tell them I'm injured. <laughs> well, I've been out for a few months. Yeah, they, so they, they, they all know. They, they know. all know. So then when they, when they lose, it'll be that much worse on yeah, them. Exactly. Um, so I tore my left Achilles, mm -hmm. completely ruptured, um, January 14th. Um, it is now May. Yes. 8th. Okay. So it's been almost four months, right? About three and slightly over three and a half months since um, I had surgery, which was January 16th. So I got into surgery you know, less than 48 hours after I tore it. Um, and I, you know, completely ruptured it. It was in training in like a sparring camp. I was actually prepping for US Open, which was the beginning of February. So I completely blew it out two weeks um, before an event. And really what, the mind. So yeah. before we go into that, I'll, I'll break that down for you. Okay. Listen, I've been an athlete too. And when I met you, you were already calm, cool, collected. Mm -hmm. So what was your rules on that in your head? Did you give yourself one day to pout? Did you give yourself a week to pout? Like what, what was, because obviously you had to be like, oh, man, I'm ready to start prepping for the 2020 games yeah. and this happens. So how did you deal with that mentally? I feel like it all happened so fast. I tore it. Okay. And now you're in the ER. Okay. Now you need surgery. I feel like right after, you know, we found out, Hey, it's completely torn. That's when I kind of had them few moments of, of pouting of, you know, mm -hmm. why did this happen to me? You know, I was Felt just sorry now for coming. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's natural, yeah. you know, that, you know, I don't feel bad for feeling like that. You know, I feel like what's important is, you know, how do you come out of that? How do you bring yourself out of that? So what's really helped me is just focusing on step by step. You know, I don't, I'm not like itching to kick and compete again because I'm haven't even mm -hmm. been able to run yet. You're breaking down the I'm process. I'm breaking down the process. And mm -hmm. that's what's really helped throughout this. That's what's been impressive about watching you work because I get a chance to see you and not, not all the time, but when I, you know, we're, we're working together, we're looking at certain things and, and going back into PT and watching you do your drills, mm -hmm. even just out of the corner of my eye, sometimes I'm like, damn, like that's, she just looks good. Like <laughs> it's getting there quick. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and trust me when somebody has got the right mindset and attitude recovery, mm-hmm it happens it's it's recovering mentally too yeah you know definitely. um and your recovery has been nothing but awesome and so 
I guess let's get, let's get a little specific with it. I mean, obviously, you know, people out there are going to want to know because this is a big injury. Yeah. You know, huge. I mean, it's a career ender for older people, basketball mm-hmm. players, that kind of stuff. Uh, so, yeah, you were in a sparring match, just heard it pop, surgery. Um, what's the recovery process look like for you right now? So, I mean, you were in PT, like, weren't, didn't you, like, day after surgery? Like, weren't you, like, already talking yeah. to Keisha and stuff? I was, I was talking to Keisha because, you know, I, I knew her before right. the injury. So I let her know as soon as I was injured. And um, actually, post-surgery, I was in a cast for a month. And then I was in a boot for um, another few weeks. And I was able to be uh, weight-bearing at six weeks post-op. So once I was able um, to be weight-bearing is when I started right. PT. Right. Um, and that was, like I said, right about six, seven weeks after surgery. Um, and so now we're just now starting to... Um, get into like the strengthening phase mm-hmm. and things like, you look like that. You're starting to do some more sports specific. Yeah, we're stuff. doing a lot of sports specific yeah. things now. And hey, let's give a quick shout out to Firefly too. I know you, we were, you know, it was when I first started talking about the product yeah. and I've done a podcast with their, their CEO and stuff. And, um, just tell briefly like how it's helped you, especially because yeah. a lot of people use it as for just recovery. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of implemented, you were the first person that were like, Hey, I think this product, this is going to be like, this would be good for her post-op. Yeah, I definitely felt a difference because I couldn't put weight on it. I couldn't walk around on it. So my calf wasn't, you know, being stimulated. Yeah. Yeah. And so the the Firefly product definitely helped me feel like my calf was starting to to work again. And And be able for you to participate in it at home, too. Not just when you're here. You know, that's what that was. It was was definitely easy to use. And at home or even after having now a tougher session in PT, I just put that Mm -hmm. on right when I get home and leave it on for the rest of the, the day. Cool. And it's definitely, it's definitely helped a lot. There you go. See, we get a little, <laughs> little plug action in there too. That's it. We're all about it, right? But um, so how many weeks are you out now? Like how many months has it been? Um, I think next week will be 16 weeks. So we're right at about 15 weeks right wow. now. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're looking awesome. Thank I mean, you. it's really looking good. So what's your number one, even before, take the injury out of the equation. Mm-hmm. What's your number? I have to ask everybody this. Yeah. Um, What's your number one recovery tip for any athlete out there? Like, what's the one thing that you go to? You mean, like, mentally or? No, like, it doesn't matter. It could be mentally. Like, recovery, like, eat right. I do whatever. Like, I know you do all that, but what's the one thing that always is in your head? Like, I want your number one recovery tool. Um, Honestly, it's been probably mental. It's been my number one thing I've been really focusing on just to because it's so easy to fall into you know the dark abyss of mm-hmm. of being you know of self-pity or things right. like that in this type of situation so definitely the number one thing that i've been focusing on through this whole process is keeping my mind right and just taking it step by step and so what was the thing though when you weren't hurt so say you train hard like what's your number one recovery tip athletically when you're not hurt um like is there a certain thing that everybody in taekwondo does do they like like to foam roll more do they like to do this more do they like to you know like what's your number one thing that you yeah. do yeah i think it, everyone is different so there's not one yeah exactly main thing with across purpose taekwondo. what works for you yeah so definitely foam rolling a lot and uh, icing icing yeah, yeah. i get tight. ankles <laughs> yeah ankles just legs just ice bath or cryo i started implementing cryotherapy right. yeah. that helped because i'm a baby with ice baths so yeah. cryotherapy is definitely <laughs> get in better. yeah no, that's great. That's great. So, um, well, we got some listener questions. So we started implementing this not too long ago is let's ask some questions to the, the audience and listeners. And I want to be able to, they, they actually asked some really cool stuff that, mm-hmm. um, I was like, wow, I can't wait to kind of ask these. So 
excuse me, but I'm going to be reading these because I, I don't have these memorized. But um, one of our listeners, Soraya, um, she said, uh, the Taekwondo sparring competition seems to have long periods of waiting followed by short bursts of intense action when you finally get to the mat. How do you ensure peak performance the instant you step on the mat so that you're not disadvantaged for the first couple seconds? You know, you're not shocked, like, right, right, we're going to get on the mat. So what are your tips to do that? Yeah, that's definitely a great and question. And by the way, thank you, Saray, for the question, and I, I appreciate it. I love people participating and, and giving feedback to the show. So this is, an, this is actually an amazing question. Yeah, so. this is a great question because, you know, just to explain for, for those who don't know, a Taekwondo tournament, all of our fights are in one day. So I can have five fights through the span of one day. And a lot of times, you know, there's hours between matches or you have one fight before lunch and then three fights after lunch. So how I kind of ensure not to get caught off guard within the first few seconds is, again, going back to that warm-up routine. I do the same That you've plugged every away yeah. every time. Exactly. Right. And so I will like to warm up earlier in the day when I know, you know, there's no fight coming up and they go by match numbers. So you have a general idea of, okay, it's getting kind of close to my match now. And then that's when I'll, you know, rewarm back up and re-go through the whole process again and then work on some specific things if I know who I'm going to be competing against. Um, but that's definitely a good question. And that's when I fall back on, on routine. Routine for preparation. That yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And so give us one example of your routine though. Like, so I know what she's saying is like, Hey, what, I mean, how do you, how do you get the gears turning? Like, mm -hmm. is there one thing in your prep, like right before you go on the mat, like or maybe say the 10 minutes before, is it just some of your techniques that you're using or it, how do you get the juices flowing? Um, a so big I'll cup of through. coffee. Like what do you do? <laughs> you got pre-workout, you like jack yourself up or what? Um, give us a secret here. You can't be just like, <laughs> she asked a question. We got to give her like some secret, secret, secret thing tip. that Jackie had. Does. <laughs> um, I go through the kind of generic warm-up so stretch foam roll you know dynamic warm-up kind of thing and then i go into more because at that point you know who you're going to compete yeah, against that's boring give me the good stuff <laughs> like what are you doing right before you got to give something to jack you up right before actually people make fun of me i've seen some of the other girls make fun of me okay in the here holding we go. area <laughs> um so i like shake my arms out and like my legs and like because I feel like, okay, like there's your arm, you know, shake it out. It's ready to go. Right. There's your legs. I jump. Um, I kind of like just shake out my whole body. And right before we walk out, you know, to the mat, like shake everything out. I jump around and do like high knees and stuff. And I just, I'm sure I look crazy because I'm like literally just like shaking. They're like, what is she doing? I'm like shaking everything out. Um, that reminds me of, remember what was the Olympics with Michael Phelps? That, yeah. That one Australian dude was like shaking all out. <laughs> yeah. And he has that like just face on like i am gonna destroy you get yes, away from that me. was a meme for the longest <laughs> time it was awesome it was so cool i just remember pausing that on the tv and going this is this is pure gold like this is awesome i rewatched that like on a loop yeah like, that is but I'm, I'm that other guy you're the other like, guy yeah, yeah so you, that's what i was getting at yeah you're the annoying person that yeah. everybody's like dude what is like, she what is she doing i that's mean there's been times in the holding area where they're like like in front of how I'm moving and yeah. I'm like, all right, yeah, that was, good. that was world championships. I just took your spot in the final. Okay. Exactly. Like <laughs> now I'm going to beat you. That's it. So thank you again for that question. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. I hope we answered it enough, but I have a, I have another one by, uh, my friend Lance I actually did a podcast with Lance a couple episodes ago. Um, so he says as a former junior Olympic Taekwondo champ and top prospect for the 1992 Olympics, 
I'm a fan of the old style trembling shock rule that made Taekwondo more power oriented. How do you feel about the push towards speed and less contact requirements in modern Taekwondo and how would you see, and would you like to see it shifted back? And so you're going to, you're, you and him are all in on this. I'm just the mediator because I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> um, so that I, he's referencing from, like I said before, it was judges scoring. So mm -hmm. it was more visual. Okay. That was a really hard kick. Hit it point. hard. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas you have to now show it's, how you hit it hard. Yeah. So now it's electronic. So I don't have to hit as hard necessarily. Oh damn. So this question is how you lost. <laughs> right? Yeah. It's pointing out, you know. Yeah. Do I prefer that style? But. <laughs> Obviously. Oh, wow. We just answered that, Lance. Like, no, she lost the chance at the gold medal because of that stupid rule. So, yeah, we're going back to power. Yeah. Um, so I definitely, though, in the big picture, I prefer the electronic scoring because it's more in my control um, as opposed to being completely in the ref's hands. Um, but for my particular style, I feel... Like, I don't always go out for points. I go out, okay, I'm going to hit you hard. I'm going to hit you hard. And I don't care if that scores or not. So I'm fighting that way even though yeah. and maybe it's I'm not being rewarded. That's a fighting style. That's yeah. your style. So that's your style, style, your style is that power. Yes, exactly. Right. So I'm trying, okay, I'm going to cut you hard or, you know, cut kick, push kick hard to initiate. And so I'm, I'm approaching it with that style and then letting kind of the other point opportunities come from um, preemptively going with this type of style gotcha mm -hmm. gotcha he also wants to he wants to spar with you <laughs> so he says he's trained for a lot of stuff and he's like would she be open to a fun taekwondo workout for old time's sake once i'm back yeah at once it. she's once healed I'm man met, once i'm healed once she healed so you better settle down and they get me when i'm injured that's it i want to be there too i'm gonna be recording on the sideline on that one too so um but anyway thank you lance i appreciate you buddy thank you for uh for for participating in this it's it's a lot more fun when we get some questions outside anything you want to add um is there anything any message that you want to get across about taekwondo that we didn't cover that for kids that want to participate in it or adults that want to just start like yeah. you know i mean is there anything out there any anything you want to kind of share um i think taekwondo is definitely for all ages so whether you're older and wanting to get into it i definitely think it's a great thing um and I think maybe specifically towards, you know, women and girls trying to get into the sport, you know, of course, everyone, but specifically for young girls trying to get into it, you know, it's not just for boys, you know, it doesn't, you know, take away anything from you as a girl to be in a male dominated sport, because it's not, there's equal number of male and female weight divisions. So there's just as many girls already participating in it, you know, as boys. So I think probably if I could, you know, put a message out there, it would it would be to not, you know, box yourself in. You know, if you right. want to do it, get after it. Do it with your right. with all your heart. Is there any websites that people can go to to learn about this kind of stuff? Um, so there's, you know, USA Taekwondo. Um, so if you're wanting to compete, you know, in, a, in the Olympic style specifically Taekwondo, mm -hmm. and you're interested in going well, to the kind Olympics, of a good, that's kind of a good question. Is there there's is a recreational Taekwondo, and then yeah. hey, like I'm a kid, I'm trying to get to the Olympics. Absolutely. So there's, you know, different Taekwondo schools. Um, you know, if you're interested in competing at the Olympics, the Taekwondo school you find, you would have to make sure that they um, teach that style of sparring. You mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of different versions and people's interpretation of it. Like how Lance was referring to. Right. Like, because there's probably some people that teach that speed approach. Exactly. And then people that are like old school, like this, let's kick and knock somebody down. Yeah. And, you know, not all of the... The schools participate in the same kind of style. Um, 
of Taekwondo. And, and what I mean by that is by taking the, the path to USA Taekwondo events and kind of sanctioned events that allow you to go to nationals and mm -hmm. national team and things like that. Set you up. Yeah, right. exactly. Is there an organization for that? Um, USA Taekwondo is the national uh, governing body for Taekwondo. So I think they might may have a list on there of, um, you know, accredited Taekwondo schools as well. Mm -hmm. So that would be the place to go if you're interested in right. Olympic style sparring. Good. How about for an adult who just wants rec stuff? They could just pick a gym. Yeah, I think, you try know, it out. try it out if you like that style, you know, because I imagine anybody that's trying it out would probably go that recreation if they have talent they yeah i mean there's so way. many taekwondo schools i would you know find a gym and see if you like that style right does this mesh well into like like another t uh kicking type sport that i just can't uh, it's just a random question again see me with the random <laughs> stuff you and i could talk here forever so i don't want to keep you too long but like muay thai like is that a nice transition could you i mean that's a lot of kicking sport too right yeah and so i'm sure i'm sure like with any martial art though you can since you already have the routine, the confidence, and that kind of stuff, you can transition into different forms too. Yeah, I definitely feel like. Do I, you ever have an interest, like after you're done with like your, like not you'll never be done with Taekwondo, mm -hmm. but like your career, say, hey, we're winning the gold medal in 2020, you're like, drop the mic, bam, <laughs> I'm done. Would you ever be interested in like, hey, maybe I'm gonna go try Muay Thai, maybe I'm gonna go try punching somebody more or like grappling or something like would you UFC like stuff like that is that interest you at all yeah definitely I, I really want to try jiu-jitsu and get into yeah. that you know but I'm I've had always been competing so much um, I just haven't had a chance to yet but I really feel because I'm you know I've competed at a high level and just understand distance and different things yeah. that would be what makes yeah. it easier transition but Something like Muay Thai, it's like completely different stance. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know I know they're all yeah. completely different. I just think it's more of your mindset that yeah, would make the transition, definitely. not skill set. Like and you'd have to understanding learn. like distance and things like that, right. I think would make a make it an easier transition. Right. Well, let's give um, everybody your social media tags have to be kind of the coolest that I've had <laughs> on here. So, uh, Jasmine, you don't have to be that quiet. Look, at I'm getting Jasmine <laughs> shout out. She came and take pictures. Thank you. Thank you, Jasmine. Oh, I'm ready to get talking trash. So <laughs> give us your social media tags. and you go, These are best social media tags. Go Instagram. Instagram. Jackie kicks your face. You're, you are your face. Dude, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm going to put it on the show notes, but I had to talk about it. Like normally I'm like, yeah, whatever. I'll put your I'll put your Instagram tags in, in our notes. But and then what's yeah. Twitter? I kick your face. <laughs> Dude, these are great. And they're just great coming from you too. And then Facebook's just your boring old name. Just my name. Yeah. Yep. You need to come like Nothing I crazy. Jackie kicks your face on Facebook or something <laughs> like that. You got to do something, but well, cool. Well, it's been awesome. I'm, um, thank you so much for doing this. I appreciate you. Um, I love seeing your, your rehab go and just love seeing you work back there. Cause I, I feel like somebody at such a high level in the office doing your rehab. I mean, you're a high level Olympian. You bring your medal in where, Hey, we're taking pictures with it. That's cool. You're doing your rehab next to somebody that, you know, you're bringing that energy. And I think people that people could feel that. And I think that's a really good healing atmosphere when you have people that are, are so positive and know that they've, I mean, they don't even know your story. I mean, you're so humble that people don't really realize it, but when you bring that energy, people feed off of that. So I appreciate you for doing that. And, um, nothing but the best and i can't wait to just track this for 2020 and we'll be talking about a gold medal next time definitely thank right. you for having me all right thank you so much and everybody out there remember um recover with purpose recover with purpose podcast is made possible and sponsored by performance medicine and sports therapy join dr ron Bendis next time only here on 
Recover with Purpose podcast. Thanks for listening.